Good morning. So today um, I am going to be giving a Dharma talk on deconstructing blame and criticism. So welcome to the newcomers. <laughs> and part of why I wanted to talk about this is because we've been exploring anger the last few weeks. And I felt this was sort of a natural um, transition, something kind of in that realm that would make sense for us to explore a little further. Um, and I wanted to start with a quote from a book called Atlas of the Heart by research professor Brene Brown to kind of help maybe explain this um, transition a little bit. She says, if you look across the research, you learn that anger is an emotion that we feel when something gets in the way of a desired outcome or when we believe there's a violation of the way things should be. When we feel anger, we believe that someone or something else is to blame for an unfair or unjust situation and that something can be done to resolve the problem. In a separate talk, Dr. Brene Brown says, blame is simply the discharging of discomfort and pain. It has an inverse relationship with accountability Meaning when blame goes up, accountability goes down. When accountability goes up, blame goes down. Blaming is simply a way that we discharge anger. People who blame a lot seldom have the tenacity and grit to actually hold people accountable because we expend all of our energy raging for 15 seconds and figuring out whose fault something is. And blaming's very corrosive in relationships. It's one of the reasons. We miss our opportunities for empathy because we're not really listening. Um, Julie and John Gottman identified four negative communication patterns that predict divorce, two of them being criticism and defensiveness. Criticism and defensiveness um, have a close relationship with each other. So if there's two people, whether they're romantic partners or friends or Sangha members or students in the same classroom or whatever. And there's space in between two people who are in some type of relationship with each other. This is kind of um, an Imago based idea. Imago is not necessarily a Zen thing. It's kind of a um, meta theory and connected to psychology and mental health and kind of a different thing. But so criticism and defensiveness, the way they work is there's two people in some kind of relationship with each other. And we contribute to the space in that relationship, the space between each other, these two people contribute to the space. And they can contribute by showing appreciation and love and care. And they can contribute to that relationship, that space between by criticism, by blame. And both of, you know, people on both sides of this relationship are impacting it, are impacting the space between the relationship. And when one person criticizes, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times, generally the other person defends and kind of becomes like a wall. Oftentimes this person will also do it back. Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe more. 
whatever. And oftentimes this person will also become like a wall. So generally when that happens, when we have lost these people and their walls, there's really no value in speaking or communicating because no one's really listening when this happens, right? Um, there's this part of our, our brain even called the amygdala. It's a really small part of our brain. And its job is to assess safety. It's always asking the question, am I safe or am I in danger? So part of why that person becomes a wall when they're sensing they're being attacked, whether physically or emotionally, verbally, is because their amygdala is firing off and it's saying, I'm not safe here. I need, I need to protect myself. When that happens, when our amygdala is lit up, we experience temporary cognitive impairment, which means we're not, we can't think well or clearly in those situations. We're just kind of stuck in defending and our brain's kind of lit up and maybe we kind of feel like we're on fire. Um, my Imago teacher recommended when that happens to just hug yourself and breathe because it's pretty scary when we're in that space, when our, we're in that emotional, cognitive, mental space. Um, neuroscience research shows the pain and feelings of disconnection are often as real as physical pain. And when that happens, we often act self-absorbed when we're in that pain. So criticism is basically self-sabotage. It results in defending, kind of as I explained with this, this whole dynamic that happens and we're gone, we're walls. Um, so we get self-absorbed when we're in pain. Criticism is self-sabotage. It results in defending. And my Imago teacher said that criticism is the adult form of a baby's cry. It does not work for adults despite it being wired into our thinking. My Imago teacher, who's, teach, who's taught me about relationships, has said there's no room for criticism in a relationship. No room for criticism in a relationship. Instead of criticizing, we can make requests. So underneath your criticism, underneath your criticism is a frustration under which is an unmet need, under which is an unspoken desire. And we wanna speak our unspoken desires with a request for change. That tends to go much better than criticism. You know, you can say, wow, Charlie, you really kind of made some mistakes when you were serving as doshi today and that was really pretty rough. Someone could say that, and it wouldn't necessarily be wrong because I'm not familiar with this position and learning. Um, or someone could say, I'd really appreciate it if you would work on what you did today. And I might try to have some, have some work on that, have some practice with that. Um, and they feel very different. You know, a criticism feels very different from a request. Um, in the energy of being blamed versus of being asked. 
Um, my Imago teacher recommended giving three appreciations before even making a request, saying, this is what I like about you. This is what I value about you. I appreciate you sitting with me today. I appreciate that you um, were thoughtful enough to take out the trash. That was really helpful. Um, before making a request of acknowledging there's something you're doing well. I, you're not just a problem child or a problem person or wrong. Um, there is this thing I'd like you to do differently. And there's these things about you that you did that I also can really appreciate. And so for, to give kind of an example, um, something that I was, that I've wrestled with in terms of criticism and blame, I've had um, struggles with this with family. And there was one conversation I had with family in 2017, but there was a lot of this very confrontational conversation where there was a lot of criticism and defensiveness. And was connected to there being these ways that people thought I was supposed to be, that I wasn't not ethical or legal rules, but sort of personal preference, um, people having this idea of where I should live or who I should date or marry or things along those lines. And I didn't really agree with these rules. And so there was confrontation because I was told you should be this way. You should maybe think this way, maybe be with this kind of person, maybe with this kind of place. And I didn't have that same belief. And so there was confrontation and some criticism and some defensiveness. And, um, and I did disclose a lot about my experience. This is what's going on for me over here when I'm picking up these judgments, these constrictions, these rules, these distortions that I just don't naturally really fit into. Um, and so there was a lot of conflict about that in my life in these relationships. And with one of the confrontations, part of it was about who I was in relationship with, I mentioned, and um, fortunately he was present during this confrontation in which I was really going through some engaging in a lot of criticism in my mind and my thoughts. And fortunately, my now husband was there and he was able to kind of defend is really what he did, which was probably more helpful than what I would have done, more skillful than what I would have done in that situation. So I was pretty enraged in this moment, in this com confrontational conversation. And I fortunately was silent, which was wonderful and necessary. Um, and in order to do that, I just had to like rock back and forth because there was so much energy and rage just like in my inside of me that I couldn't even be still in this confrontation that I was involved in. And at that moment, that was really skillful um, for what I could do. In this moment, I'm sort of going back and trying to reopen sensitive conversations 
about a lot of this sensitive stuff that's pretty touchy and wanting to approach these family members with a lot of empathy and openness and curiosity because they've got their own story and reasons for why they have these rules for me. And I don't really know why, but I'm sure there's reason. And so we, a quote that my Imago teacher, another quote that she shared with me was you either get to be right or you get to have a relationship. And safety requires making room for two worlds, at least, which generally involves curiosity, honoring and respecting. And I'll leave you with two questions that you can answer or not answer, depending on time and maybe Mado. <laughs> and the questions are, what would it mean to be a source of safety and for those of us who do or have struggled with blame and criticism, can we create a vision of our future instead of recreating the stuckness of the past? Thank you. 